the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us at 8 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Wednesday edition of the Bob France Authority. It's the 31st and final morning of the month of July of the year of our Lord 2019. And we have a lot to talk about this morning. Yesterday, of course, was the first part of the second round of Democrat debates. 12, or excuse me, 10 rather, uh, 10 mostly far leftists adorned a stage that was, according to a caller who just pointed it out to me on the Hugh Hewitt show, was absent a flag. It was missing any representation of the United States of America by way of its flag on the stage last night. I wonder if that's accidental, if it's just, you know, nobody thought about it. Is it overlooked? How does that happen? One would even think that since it's, you know, the DNC putting on the, uh, uh, the show, the debate last night, but it's CNN carrying it that between the two of them, they would have said, you know, somebody's got to get a flag out here or else we're going to be called unpatriotic. Well, nobody thought of it. Nobody in the DNC thought of it. Nobody at the uh, CNN thought of it. Because guess what? Here we are. I didn't even realize that somebody pointed it out again to the last caller of the show on Hugh Hewitt that I was just doing pointed it out and yes i'm gonna say we're calling you unpatriotic how in the world can that be i just don't understand that you are running for president of the united states all of you looking for that nomination to run for president of the united states representing one of the two major parties in this country and you don't have the united states represented on the stage that's a very bizarre thing but nonetheless we had 10 of them on that stage last night and we have a lot that we're going to listen to and a lot we're going to react to and i look forward to your thoughts on who won the debate last night as we get ready for tonight's, uh, you know, main event, can can we do that? Is tonight the main event? Is that fair? Was last night the JV stage, and the varsity is tonight? I don't know. It's really hard to say because the front runner is going tonight. Clearly, 
the varsity quarterback, if you will, uh, and that's Joe Biden, is going to be on the stage tonight. He leads all other Democrats in the cesspool field uh, by a wide margin, uh, by 19 points to be precise. Um, second place is shared by Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who were on the JV stage, or at least the first stage, last night. So it's kind of odd. And I think, truly, it's because CNN and the DNC, putting their little uh, uh, skulls together, decided we have to provide some cover for our our leaders here. We have to provide some cover for Joe Biden and make sure that his two most staunch challengers, at least in terms of the polls right now, can't go on the same stage with him and take shots at him. So we protect him. And then, obviously, if he falters, we want them to remain unscathed. Uh, so that he can't take shots back at them. It's quite, you know, just kind of circle the wagons and protect your own. That won't stop Kamala Harris or Cory Booker from going after Joe Biden on matters of race tonight. He's going to have to be ready for that. He says he will, by the way. He says no more Mr. Nice Guy. But it'll be very interesting to see how this whole thing plays out tonight after last night's battle royal between some of the more moderate, I won't say moderate, I don't think I can say clearly moderate, but some of the more moderate voices on the Democrat stage last night um, going up against its extreme leftist, communist, socialist first, then communist voices uh, in the form of Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. So I want to, I want to talk about some of that. Excuse me, I want to talk about some of that after I finish coughing. Um, <laughs> and, and what I want to hit here is some of the moderation or some of the moderate voices that I was talking about, most of which I think we kind of, I kind of feel like, you know, this is a dying breed. Uh, I asked the callers on uh, uh, Hugh Hewitt's program this morning, uh, are there any moderates left? Is the moderate party or the moderate portion of the party of Democrats just completely gone now? And I think it's fair to say, uh, sadly, that that it really is. We heard some of them, but let's look at where they are. All right, let me give you a little taste of what I'm talking about here. Last night, uh, I think one of the biggest and one of the most important statements that was made was made by John Hickenlooper, the uh, governor of Colorado. John Hickenlooper making fun of Bernie Sanders and his Medicare for All proposals, also making fun of the way he waves his arms around when he talks, made a statement that, I think would qualify as moderate, and of course, because of that, it was routinely mocked by the far left. But this is John Hickenlooper, one of the more important statements from. And I, I think if we're going to force Americans to make these radical changes, they're not going to go along. You throw your hands up, but you, oh, no. you haven't. Imp- oh, I can do it, but you haven't implemented the plans. Us governors and mayors are the ones that we have to pick up all the pieces. Well, the last part is irrelevant. The first part is very relevant. This is what and matters. I, I think if we're going to force Americans to make these radical changes, they're not going to go along. You Throw your hands up. If we're going to force Americans to make radical changes, they're not going to go along with it. This is John Hickenlooper saying, we need to be more moderate. We need to be less extreme. Because the American people won't go for these extreme changes, the likes of which his fellow Democrats were pushing for, such as Medicare for All and the elimination of private health insurance that you might have through your employer. Gone. Illegal to have. What kinds of radical ideas would Americans push back against? 
open borders, decriminalizing the illegal entry into the United States of America. What other kind of radical ideas would Americans oppose? The Green New Deal, the elimination of fossil fuels from our, uh, from our energy industry. All of these kinds of things, all of these ideas are radical. And John Hickenlooper, trying to be a voice of the moderate, said, you know, we've got to stop here and, and recognize that. We have to try to make sure that the American people get what they want, not what we are trying to force upon them. Here's another example. Let me throw this one at you. This is the governor of um, uh, Idaho, I believe. Is it Idaho? Is it, I believe it's Idaho. Uh, this is Governor Steve Bullock, again, a no-name. In fact, so much so that I have to question which, uh, which uh, uh, Pacific Northwestern state that he's the governor of. But Steve Bullock, calling Democrats detached from normal people's lives because of their extremism. Again, Steve Bullock here. Look, I think this is a part of the discussion that shows how often these debates are detached from people's lives. we got got 100,000 people showing up at the border right now. If we decriminalize entry, if we get health care to everyone, we'll have multiples of that. Don't take my word. That was President Obama's Homeland Security Secretary that said that. The biggest problem right now that we have with immigration, it's Donald Trump. I, I, I did pick the wrong Pacific Northwest state, by the way, is Montana, not Idaho, but that's not the point. The point is what Steve Bullock said is that Democrats are detached from normal people's lives. They want more unchecked illegal immigration into this country. How's that going to play with everyday Americans? Everyday Americans are going to push back against that. So he's trying to bring their party and their debate last night towards some sort of a moderate-slash-center place. Which, which brings me to John Delaney, another somewhat moderate Democrat voice, who in the post, I'll get to what he said during the debate with Bernie Sanders uh, in a moment, as he pretty much uh, schooled Bernie Sanders on economics, and he schooled Bernie Sanders on how terrible of an idea it is to outlaw, pri- what a terrible idea it is, rather, to outlaw private insurance in favor of Medicare for all. But this is what he said after the debate. This is uh, John Delaney talking to MSNBC. It was a great question. And look, at I, I just think his answer and Senator Warren's answer to anyone who criticizes one of their plans is that's a Republican talking point. That's an intolerant approach. Yeah. You need to say, why is my Warren plan workable? Two why is your plan workable? How are you going to pay for it? And how are you going to get it done? Those... Um, whenever you get the far left slash socialist slash communist points of view being offered by uh, you know the likes of Bernie Sanders and, and Elizabeth Warren, and you try to counter them, they say, "Oh, you Republican talking points." That is not something that the Democrat Party can just continue to do and say anything that is remotely center left, as opposed to being extremist and far left. Anything that is said is a Republican talking point. You're detaching yourself from mainstream America. And now let me pivot away from the actual candidates here, the actual um, uh, members of uh, the, 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 the pool, the cesspool that were on that stage, to one of the analysts who was working for CNN last night, and you well know who David Axelrod is. David Axelrod, of course, was an Obama advisor, close personal friend of the Clintons as well, so he is nobody's conservative. But this is his post 
debate analysis on the roundtable uh, or panel or discussion, whatever you want to call it, that CNN held uh, last night. So this is David Axelrod, and I want you to listen to a guy crying for some sort of moderation and not getting it from his uh, his candidates here. You said something interesting, which was, it isn't good enough to argue that the country doesn't want this. It does seem, if you're running for president, that you ought to take into consideration what the country wants. And the fact is, large numbers of people oppose the Medicare for All proposal uh, if it replaces private insurance. That We've seen it in poll after poll after poll. A large number of people in this country do not believe the border should be decriminalized. A large number of people in this country don't believe that undocumented immigrants should uh, qualify for, for public so there's David Axelrod saying, you know, all of these far, far... Now, he's clearly left. In fact, he's probably far left. But to be the extremist left, he's talking about is to be, you know, essentially, uh, you know, politically suicidal. Because the American people are speaking and saying, we don't want Medicare for all. Don't do this to us. Don't make us choose that over our private health insurance. The American people are saying, we want to have sovereignty. Yeah, we might be a little more tolerant of of, of uh, illegal immigration than the right is, but we don't want unchecked open borders. We don't want to have decriminalization of uh, of, of uh, illegal entry into the United States. You know, we, the American people are speaking in a moderate tone. M- many of them, there are far right, there are far left, and then there are the centrist matter, and we are abandoning them. Axelrod is saying our party and our candidates are abandoning the moderates. We're giving them up. And guess what? If we don't reach out to them and say, okay, we won't wipe out your private health insurance that you have through your employer, if we don't reach out to them and say we won't erase the borders and allow anybody to come and go as they please, which is very, very dangerous from a national security standpoint for this country, if we if we won't do those things, um, then, then guess what? They're not going to have a chance on the national stage against Donald Trump. He is saying we cannot just abandon the moderates who don't want those things. What happens when you abandon the moderates? The moderates go to the Republican side. They go to the right and say, uh, okay, I don't like Donald Trump, perhaps. I might have a problem with his character, personality, yada, yada. But guess what? It is better than the alternative, given the kind of the radical ideas that they're pushing. So even David Axelrod said that on CNN. All right, let me get a quick time out here because it's 20 minutes after 9. We're going to get to your phone calls quickly. We are guest-free today, by the way. So don't worry about uh, waiting for an interview to get done. Uh, we are guest-free. I have a lot of opportunities for you to analyze what you heard and saw last night in the debates and where we go from here as we continue on the Bob France Authority, AM 1420, The Answer. France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine twenty-five now to Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer: We have a cavalcade of sound for you today, playing uh, uh, some of the hits from last night's Democratic debate, round two, part one. Part number two is tonight. Let's get some thoughts from uh, Jay, who called us uh, from Illyria, right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi, Jay. Go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I I have a question that I don't think can get in response a glib or packaged answer because I think everything sits on top of it. And that question 
begins with a, an observation. At least 20 major cities across the United States, and I mean major, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Baltimore, Cleveland, Detroit, Flint, are all run by Democrat leadership. My question is, mm-hmm. in return for those positions of leadership, both at the local, county, and federal level, and Congress, Democrat leadership leadership is a ladder structure of leadership. It goes up the rung. What is the payoff at each of those positions for maintaining the cities that leadership represents, manages, and runs? What is the payoff at each level for that leadership? That is the key question. If you can find out what's the payoff, everybody in the world has a payoff for their behaviors. You, me, everybody listening. We do things to get a payoff for what we do and for the, the behaviors we exhibit and employ in our day-to-day lives. Everybody gets a payoff for everything. It may not always be a good payoff, but in some way we interpret the payoff that we receive for our behaviors as rewarding us. What is rewarding the Democrat leadership in these failed cities and in Congress like Elijah Cummings in particular, and I hope Donald continues to gnaw on his bones? What is the payoff these people are, are, are receiving in return for their leadership. Donald has said billions of dollars have been poured into Baltimore, and yet the west side of that city is clamoring for recognition for the problems, the societal issues that they face on a daily basis, including rat infestations and everything else. What is the payoff for the people that are in charge of that city, and how are they receiving that payoff? It's got to be money. It's got to be money. Where is the money going, and what are people receiving in return for their lack of empathy and leadership on the parts of their constituencies? Wow, uh, that is a brilliant, brilliant uh, statement and question, uh, rhetorical as it may be, um, Jay, because I think you're right. There is uh, the question has to be where is all of the money? You know, here's here's there are a couple of stories that I can follow up on that to kind of buttress the point that you made. And I don't know if I can do them all now because I've only got a minute here before the top of the hour, but or bottom of the hour, rather. But here, here are two numbers that I'll throw at you. One is $66 million, and I'll tell you what that means coming up after the bottom of the hour news. $66 million, and then the other one is $1.8 billion. And there's a specific reason for those two figures to be to be uh, um uh, to be mentioned here, as Jay talked about, what is the payoff? What is the payout, if you will, for all of these individuals? And it's got to be money. There is money that is unaccounted for. One point eight billion and sixty-six million, two different figures that are going to be uh, brought together here after the uh, bottom of the hour news. I'll take that time out now and come right back and tell you exactly what I mean. If you're on hold, stay there. I'm coming right to you. We do not have a guest coming up this segment. I do not believe anyway. So we'll take your phone calls directly after the news on M1420, The Answer. Little uh, immigrant song here for you. Yeah, that's kind of appropriate, I suppose. 934, we continue AM 1420, The Answer. I am in hour number four of uh, radio this morning. I uh, filled in for... 
uh, Hugh Hewitt this morning. And somebody on Twitter, don't forget to tweet to me and Facebook comment to me or parlor comment to me on uh, the social media apps. Um, find me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Um, and uh, it was Brett who found me and said, Bob, did it ever occur to you uh, that Hugh Hewitt only asked you to sit in today and tomorrow so he wouldn't actually have to watch the debates. <laughs> and you know what? It's a good strategy. He followed up with, he's using you as a talk radio stunt double. It's true. He doesn't want to get hurt. He doesn't want to have to deal with that himself. <laughs> he's going to put somebody else in when the going gets tough. Uh, it's a good strategy by Hugh Hewitt. Uh, no, he is uh, starting his vacation now, and he's going to be gone for a bit. And uh, I've got all three days the rest of this week, today, tomorrow, and uh, Friday on the Hugh Hewitt Show. I'm very glad to be able to do it. Although I do admit what the caller or the um, uh, Twitter user said, Brett said, is pretty accurate. Um, if I did not have to watch it for the purposes of doing radio, I would not watch it because it is that painful to listen to sometimes. Uh, to the phones, 216-901-0945, More reaction to the debate last night. David in LaGrange. Hey, David, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, Bob. You notice that these rats on the left, whatever you want to call them, are always demanding free college, but they're never demanding that the universities lower their tuition. Well, I've got... Something to share with you, David, um, that I think you'll appreciate based on your question uh, that you just pointed out. Elizabeth Warren was the one last night, I think, screaming the loudest about free college. Bernie was, too, and some others about free college, free college, free college. And then forgiveness, forgiveness of student loan debts because so many people can't pay back their debts because they didn't get good jobs coming out of college, blah, blah, blah. And by the way, the irony of that should not be lost on anyone. They want college to be free for everybody, but yet they are complaining people can't pay back their debts because when they come out of college, they can't get good jobs. Well, if you can't get good jobs in the right major coming out of college, then why do you want free college for everybody? Why not steer them toward the technical trades? Why not steer them toward associate's degrees and other things or toward the military? But I think you'll appreciate this, David. Elizabeth Warren closed last night with her complaints about the high cost of college, which you just brought up as well. And that's why this should be college free, uh, free college for everybody. Did you know that she taught one class and, uh, as a college professor and was paid $400,000 for that? Elizabeth Warren was paid $400,000 to teach one class and she wants to know, and then she's going to complain about the high cost of college, and she's going to complain that uh, uh, there should be free college and debt, debt forgiveness. Is she going to be willing to teach for free? She's a part of the problem. $400,000 for teaching one class, David? That, to me, underscores what you just said, and it's something that we should remind every single liberal Democrat who screams about free college for everybody. And I think the lack of demanding that they lower their tuition I looked online, did a little research. There, uh, these college universities, they're big donors to the Democrat Party. I don't think the Democrats are going to bite the hand that feeds them. Well, no, like, they're, they're not. But, but, but you're right. But then what, what, what is the answer to that? Free college, yet professors, as you pointed out, in colleges and presidents and boards of trustees and so on are all Democrat donors, or a large number of them are. You're right about that. So how does that, how does that equation add up? We, the Democrats, 
support these colleges that vote for us, um, and we want to make sure the college is free for everybody. So how does money go into the coffers of the professors and the board members and the everybody else in the in these programs if if nobody has to pay for it? If students don't have to pay tuition and parents don't have to pay tuition, it's free for everybody, how do the colleges get run? How do they stay solvent? How do they you know what I mean? How do they and how do they how do they exist to continue to to advance the democratic um and the uh, liberal uh, indoctrination uh, that they do anyway? Through our tax dollars, that's how they're going to stay in business. Well, in in other words, we are all going to buy our neighbors' kids' college tuition or college educations for them. And and what is that going to mean, David? As you well know, when kids get to go for free, they will not take uh, they will not take it seriously. If they don't know that there is um, if they uh, if they don't know that there is um, hold on a second. Um, if they're, if they, if they don't have to pay for it, we all know, I've brought this up before. When you earn $20 for mowing a couple of lawns, you are going to be very careful with how you spend that $20 because you know it didn't come easy. It came with sweat equity you have into that. If somebody just flips you a $20 bill whenever you ask for one, you'll waste it every time because you have no investment in it. You just go and ask for another one later on. That's what free college would do for almost everybody. TJ in Cleveland, you're on the air. TJ, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, I watched some of that debate as much as I could could stand. But, you know, like this Elizabeth Warren, you know, most married men across the country is sitting there watching this. They're thinking, oh, my God, this is like me wanting to take it easy on the weekend, laying on my couch, and the crazy one comes in, you know, the family room with eyes bulging, you know, veins bulging in her neck, yelling and screaming, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, 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 that. But, but the one that impressed me the most was that, was that Mary Moonbeam or... You know who I'm talking Mar- about. Marianne Williamson, you mean, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And then did you see the cheers she got? You know, Bob, it would not surprise me if she ended up their candidate. You look at Barack Obama when he first started running. You know, nobody thought he could win it against Biden and Hillary Clinton and, you know, no background, you know, nothing. But the Democrats loved him, and they made him the candidate. It wouldn't surprise me if they made her the candidate. And you got to admit, Bob, boy, the debates would be an awful lot of fun. Oh my goodness gracious. She, she's a loon. By the way, she is the one who was at some event last week. We talked about this. She was at some event last week in which she, um, you know what, TJ, I gotta take a time out here. I've, I've got some noise interference here. Let me, let me put you on hold. Uh, okay. uh Andrew, let me get a quick time out. Come right, come right back on AM 1420. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. All right, nine forty-six. Right back with you on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I'm going to finish TJ's phone call before I get back into a couple of other important points and pieces of audio that I want you to hear. TJ, sorry about the uh, uh, interruption there, but go ahead. Yeah, and then, you know, another one, when they finally asked a little bit of a hardball question to the one about how are you going to pay for this, Yeah, and what did they come back with? You don't have to use Republican talking points. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> this was like a cross between the Mueller hearings and the view. 
you know, combined together. <laughs> I mean, it, it, Bob, this thing was such a joke. But I still think Moonbeam there won this debate. You know, she come in there like nothing, you know, uh, polling-wise. Uh, Elizabeth Warren was one of the favorites, and she got a lot of cheers. But next to her, who got the most cheers from the crowd? Yeah, Williamson. They're, they're, you're, yeah, you're right. And, and she's exactly. the nut. She's the nut. I, I started to say this during the before I had to throw to that break. Um, she's the one who had an event like last week or the week before in which she told every white person there. Do you remember that? Remember this? She I told know, every I, I white person there to turn and look and take the hand of an African American near them, <laughs> and and recite an apology for being white. Uh, an apology for things that other white people did uh, a couple of centuries ago. Uh, they're apologizing for to to uh, people of color now, who of course look like people who were victimized a couple of centuries ago. They she made them do that. It was it. I cannot tell you the 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 shame uh, of all of that. The idea that people in America today who did nothing wrong should have to apologize for what they look like to other people based on what they look like. And and that's going to be their uh, their new standard bearer. Uh it's it's hilarious, TJ. It is hilarious. Well, one thing I'll say they're kind of making it a little easier for us. You know that Iman or Oman, I don't know what her name is, but when they showed Jihad that Omar. One, yeah, that interview she did about a year ago where she said the biggest biggest threat to America was not Islamic terrorism, it was the white male. Yep. You and I are the biggest threat in America. So like I was telling my wife, I may come out one day and just say, just so I don't be attacked all the time, well, I feel like a girl. I'm not really a white male. I feel like a girl. So well, just a girl? Happened. Shouldn't you shouldn't you feel shouldn't you feel like a minority girl just to make sure that you're covered? That's true. And and then I they, identify then they as, a, as a yeah, I identify as an African American female, or I identify as a uh, as a you know a Latina or something. I mean, why not? If that's the way these uh, these things work with the Democrats, I, I want to. Thanks, TJ, for the call. I want to hit two things real quick. Somebody called before about the flag and said, I didn't notice a flag on the debate stage last night. Why is that? And I talked about, I don't know, it's the DNC that runs it, and CNN, I think it's a joint effort that they run this thing together. I don't know why they wouldn't adorn the stage with a flag. Somebody off the air called and said there weren't any flags at the Republican debates uh, a couple of years ago either. And I found that surprising. So I went ahead just to look, and I did a little uh, Internet search for Republican debates 2016, and um, at 2015 and 2016, and there are tons of images that come up there. And I will tell you, I don't see any flags in the background of the Republicans either, with the exception of there are video boards behind them, and they can be changed. And sometimes, because I'm looking at the same video or the same still photographs, I should say, from the same debates where one of them, the video boards behind them are, you know, uh, elephants or Republican or RNC symbols, but then in other ones, the same exact backdrop. Now they have American flags on the video boards. So they're waving the flags digitally, if you will, in some of those circumstances, but they don't have actual physical fabric flags uh, visible on the stage at the Republican event either. And my response to that will be the same thing. I said, what is the DNC thinking? What is CNN thinking? by not having flags in the backdrop when you are running for president of what that flag represents, the United States of America. And I will say the same thing. I don't know why the RNC, if they didn't make sure that those were always visible, I don't know what they're thinking. It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I don't know why you wouldn't have those flags there visible for everybody. So I wanted to cover that point. Now I want to go back to the debate last night. 
and I want to talk about the elements of race uh, that were present in this thing, advanced and pushed specifically by CNN and more specifically by Don Lemon. I love what Tucker calls him, Don Lemon. Don Lemon decided to pivot the uh, uh, focus of the debate for a period of time to race in America. And rather than ask the candidates about their thoughts on race in America, he used the predicate that Donald Trump is racist. Let's move from that point now and talk about uh, why that is or how voters should view Donald Trump's racism. I want you to listen not only to the words, which I just kind of gave you, but to the tone, because it tells a story here, one that I feel like is worth uh, discussing. This is Don Lemon midway through the debate, I suppose, uh, after they were discussing immigration and other affairs. It came time for race. This was the question I'm talking about. Senator Klobuchar. What do you say to those Trump voters who prioritize the economy over the president's bigotry? That was it. That was the question. Don Lemon didn't ask Amy Klobuchar, do you think the president is bigoted? Do you think the president is racist? What is your feeling about racial uh, divisiveness or racial harmony, uh, if you feel that way, in the United States? No. He just said it as if it was an accepted matter of fact that Donald Trump is a bigot. Senator Klobuchar, <clears throat> what do you say to those Trump voters who prioritize the economy over the president's bigotry? I mean, he, he just looked at her and said, I'm done. I'm done talking now. He didn't say perceived bigotry. He didn't say alleged bigotry. He didn't say what some people see as bigotry. He said the president's bigotry, just as if it's an accepted thing. Like that, that's already been proven. The fact of the matter is that has only been proven in the mind of Don Lemon and people like Don Lemon, far-left lunatics who hate Donald Trump so much so that he has been on the air for the last two and a half years calling Donald Trump a racist. He literally has called Donald Trump a racist on his program. He has led his... his um, uh, his his uh, CNN television program with those words multiple times. This is CNN Tonight. I'm Don Lemon. The President of the United States is racist. A lot of us already knew that. I, 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 I got so many different thoughts running through my head as I listened to this. And as I watched it last night, one of them is, how can somebody like Don Lemon, a, an, an avowed hater of the President of the United States, a one-sided, opinionated talk show host, be allowed to be the moderator for a debate in which the candidates are fighting to become the leader of the free world. The candidates are fighting for the nomination for one of the two major parties to win the presidency of the United States. How can somebody like Don Lemon be entrusted with moderator status? As opposed to straight news 
journalists. And to be fair, it would not be something that I supported to have Sean Hannity as a moderator of a Republican debate. Hugh Hewitt's a little different. Hugh Hewitt was a moderator during some of those debates last year. And you remember, he got into some dust-ups with Donald Trump. Donald Trump called him a third-rate radio host with low ratings. Um, But Hugh Hewitt can be and is a very fair arbiter of debates and questioner of candidates. He took people to task who were conservatives. He took people to task and asked difficult questions of more moderates. I mean, Hugh Hewitt is perfect for that role. He does a conservative talk show on Salem. He does a um, uh, uh, conservative, right-center, conservative type of talk show on left-leaning MSNBC. And he writes for the far-left Washington Post. If anybody can be fair and moderate, it would be a guy like Hugh Hewitt. Instead, it's far, 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 far left extremist Don Lemon who gets to help shape the debate and help the Democrat voters pick their nominee uh, to, to be the President of the United States. So that's number one, just listening to him ask that question. Or what do you say to voters that prioritize the economy over President Trump's bigotry, as if President Trump's bigotry has been proven? It has not. And the reason it hasn't been proven is because it doesn't exist. Don Lemon is one of the one in three Democrats that we have discussed on this program over the last week or so. After the the uh, uh, Rasmussen survey came out that showed that one in three Democrats, 32% of them, believe that any criticism of a politician of color is racism. They are immune from criticism and questioning. If you disagree with them, you are a racist. That's what. So Don Lemon is one of the one in three Democrats that believe that. And he was last night talking about race in America and how Donald Trump's racism is, uh, is, is such a huge problem. And that launched into a whole lot of others. Alleg- I told you yesterday this would be the case, that they would have to fi- find a way to divide their time between disagreeing with each other on matters of policy and spending the entire night unifying with one another in condemning and criticizing President Trump and calling him a racist. And there is a lot of audio that I want to share with you about that coming up as well. Uh, you're going to hear it from Bernie. You're going to hear it from Robert Francis O'Rourke. You're going to hear it from uh, hear it from uh, uh, from uh, Mayor Pete, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who, by the way, also wants you to know that if you don't support fifteen dollars an hour for a minimum wage, you can't be Christian. That's right, Mayor Pete Buttigieg has declared himself to be the arbiter of all things Christian. You're a bad Christian if you don't support higher minimum wage because Scripture says so. Some of this is low-tech, too. Like, the minimum wage is just too low. And so-called conservative Christian senators right now in the Senate are blocking a bill to raise the minimum wage when Scripture says that whoever oppresses the poor (laughs) taunts their maker. This is Pete Buttigieg going to tell you how to be a good Christian. And by the way, suggesting that if you don't support a higher minimum wage, the fight for 15, for example, then you are oppressing the poor and taunting the poor's maker, which would be God. 
It's funny how he doesn't point out that when you support a $15 minimum wage, you take the poor and you make them beyond poor. You make them destitute because you get people fired from the only jobs they have when you force higher salaries and higher overhead upon small business owners. It's been proven time and time and time and time and time again in all cities and locales where they fight for 15 and raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. We see the unemployment rate skyrocket because business owners have to lay people off because they can't afford to keep them all employed at that rate. What about that? What does Scripture say about that? What does the Scripture say about taking the poor and making them broke, completely broke? So we got to hit that. we got to hit the race issue. we got to hit the economics issue, and we got a whole lot more to hit. We react to the Democrat debate in hour number two coming up next. Right. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.